Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Reflection from uh, the scriptures of today. Uh, Please leave your prayer intentions as usual. While we're doing these broadcasts, because we want to pray for one another, and let's get right into the uh, the first reading of today. Actually, a uh, couple of options here, because uh, there are two places in the Acts of the Apostles, uh, chapter 9 and chapter 22, where Paul relates his testimony. Let me read you the one from chapter 22, and, uh, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll reflect and pray. So, the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 22, verses 3 to 16. Paul addressed the people in these words. I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city. At the feet of Gamaliel, I was educated strictly in our ancestral law and was zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way to death, binding both men and women and delivering them to prison. Even the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify on my behalf. For from them, I even received letters to the brothers and set out for Damascus to bring back to Jerusalem in chains for punishment those there as well. On that journey, as I drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from the sky suddenly shone around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I replied, who are you, sir? And he said to me, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. My companion saw the light, but did not hear the voice of the one who spoke to me. I asked, what shall I do, sir? The Lord answered me, get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told about everything appointed for you to do. Since I could see nothing because of the brightness of that light, I was led by hand by my companions and entered Damascus. A certain Ananias, a devout observer of the law, and highly spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and stood there and said, Saul, my brother, regain your sight. At that very moment, I regained my sight and saw him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors designated you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear the sound of his voice. For you will be his witness before all to what you have seen and heard. Now why delay? Get up and have yourself baptized and your sins washed away, calling upon his name. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, we thank you for this marvelous moment of Christian history in the conversion of the one who was persecuting the Christians, bringing them to punishment and even death. Lord, enable us to be the people of mercy, the people of reconciliation, the people of life. Help us to learn from St. Paul the vastness and infinite depths of your mercy. Help us to trust in it for our own forgiveness of sin. And help us to treat others generously. Help us to welcome the St. Pauls of today 
who turn from their wicked ways. Let us not be like the brother of the prodigal son. Let us not be like Jonah, resentful of the mercy that you show to others. But rather, let us be precisely the heralds of that mercy. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, there's so much to point out here. You know, today, the Feast of St. Paul is the culmination of the week of prayer for Christian unity. Every year from January 18th to the 25th is this special week of prayer, that Christians may all be one. And it appropriately concludes on this day of the conversion of St. Paul because he was persecuting the way. Now, in the, in the, in the passage we just read, the way is capitalized. It's, 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 it's the Christian way of life. It was called the way. It is a way of life. It's not just a set of beliefs. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ uh, for the forgiveness of sins, for being transformed into sons and daughters of God. And Paul was persecuting it and then became its greatest spokesperson. Because the idea behind Christian unity is, first of all, conversion from sin, from the darkness of being without Christ and without God in the world and without reconciliation to the kingdom of light. The idea behind Christian unity is that the world may believe in him whom the Father sent. We can effectively proclaim the gospel to those who don't believe only if those who don't believe see a convincing sign that this is true and they see that in our love for one another and in our unity. So praying for Christian unity is deeply connected with the mission of converting the rest of the world to Christ. This is why it ends on the, on the feast of, of Paul's conversion. We notice here a very strong teaching about the body of Christ because Paul is persecuting Christians and Jesus asks him, why are you persecuting me? And you know, in the writings of St. Paul in the New Testament, as he was eventually inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the very word of God, he has a very strong teaching about the body of Christ. Do you not know that Jesus Christ is in you, he says, and that we are members individually of his body? Paul experience this truth in this blinding light and in this challenging voice. Why are you persecuting me? He didn't say, why are you persecuting my followers? Because my followers are members of my body, sharing the same body and blood in the Eucharist, sharing the same spirit. They are members of my body. I am the head. They are the members. We are one living organism. That's our unity with Christ. That's another great thing that this feast teaches us. But the thing we have to reflect on above all, and I say I refer to this in the prayer, we have to be the people of mercy. We have to be the people recognizing that our whole church, our whole way of life, our whole religion is built on this infinite mercy where God took the initiative to reach out to us sinners and reconcile us to himself. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Look at what he did to Paul. Here you have someone, not just in the darkness of sin, there are many people who are living a dark life of sin, no faith, no, no regard for God. 
He was actively killing Christians, rounding them up. And he becomes one of the key spokespersons. In fact, you see, it's, it's immediate. No, he's still blind from the light. And he's told by Ananias, you're going to be his witness before everybody. He's going to speak through. He's going to use you. So don't waste any time. Get those sins washed away. When the prophet Jonah was called to preach to the city of Nineveh, he was actually saddened that they repented. He was mad at God for his mercy. And God said to him, you should be rejoicing. When the prodigal son came back, the other brother who was there all the time was, was resentful and angry that the father had welcomed back the prodigal son. And of course, this is a, a, a referring to the history that when Jesus came to his own people, his own people rejected him. But then when he went to the Gentiles, they were accepting him in faith. And Jesus said, don't be angry don't be resentful that God shows mercy on the rest of the world. Rejoice that he shows mercy on you all. It's a strange thing. We would think that we would want to accept mercy, both for ourselves and others. But there's something in our human nature that rebels against that. There's a self-righteousness. There's a pride. There's an arrogance that doesn't want to accept mercy. Because we feel instead like, well, with the spirit of the accuser, the devil being the accuser, that we want to nag people in their sins rather than welcome them into the bright light of salvation and mercy. You know, I have a great privilege of being the pastoral director both of Rachel's Vineyard and of Silent No More. Women, men, grandparents, abortionists who have killed children. I've ministered to people who have had as many as 26 abortions. I have ministered to abortionists who have killed thousands and even tens of thousands of lives. I ministered to Norma McCorvey, helping her to experience the mercy of God for being the Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade, responsible for indirectly for tens of millions of deaths. Bernard Nathanson, I ministered to him as well founder of the abortion industry, showed him and led him and encouraged him to trust in the mercy of Christ. I remember doing, um, well, we did a number of retreats with the centurions, those who have uh, practiced abortion and now have converted. I remember being in that room. I've told the story many times with a handful of women who had worked in abortion facilities. Many of them were late-term abortion facilities. And there they were talking about how the blood of the babies that they were killing, some of them full-term babies, splattering on them as they took part in their, in their killing. The blood of the babies in dismemberment abortions, splattering on them. And then in that same circle, on that same weekend, we led them to accept the blood of Christ being splattered on them washing them clean of those sins. In that small group of women, we estimated the number of lives that they had been responsible for taking. And in that one group, in that one room, the number was half a million lives. 
Now think about this for a moment. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And very often we know of each other's sins. Sometimes the sins are committed against one another. We are called to embrace mercy for ourselves, for one another, as the body, as witnesses like St. Paul was and is to this infinite mercy of the one who died for us while we were yet sinners. Let us pray. Lord, give us these lessons from the from the feast of the conversion of Paul. Enable us to proclaim that what matters in our lives is not the evil we have done in the past, but our readiness even now to go deeper into repentance, to drink more deeply of your mercy, to be splattered by your blood, one drop of which can cleanse a billion worlds of sin. Lord, let us be like children rejoicing in the bright sunshine of the life and light of the Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Well, thanks, thanks friends, for praying with me and for reflecting with me on today's scriptures and today's great feast. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. We'll be back in touch with you. I'll be going to Washington today and we'll be uh, gathering tonight at a reception with the new pro-life members of Congress. We'll be bringing you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.